0: hello everyone and welcome to we are myrna gold a podcast featuring me chandler Ellsbecker. and me Aaron williams aaron this is episode 244 of this podcast 243 of which you and i have done together um and that is it's not the uh the first time I've messed up an intro when we're trying to record, but it's a very short list the number of times I did. If you're listening, you won't hear it because we're not leaving that in, but I screwed up when we, when we started. You were going to say something.
1: Yeah no, yeah, no, it is a notable a notable achievement, I'd say. It's hard hard to screw up something you've done right 240 times in a row, but, you know, there's a first, second, and
0: third time for everything. You know, some might say that... um this is a week for first and second times of things happening in a long time. Picture that sentence as being phrased better. The Twins, the Minnesota they Twins,
1: they, they, won. they won.
0: They won not only one playoff game, they won two playoff games. And do you know what that means in a three-game series, Aaron? It means you win a series. It means you win a series, which. Uh the last time the twins did any of those things, um, I guess the the two wins that was the first time since I was seven years old. The the series win I guess was God, was that twenty years ago? Was that the It 21 was twenty one years ago. It was two thousand two. Oh god. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 'cause that was the, the A's money ball year, yeah. Yeah, so I was not watching baseball in 2002. I was not watching baseball in 2004. The first Twins game I ever remember watching was an ALDS loss to the A's in 2006. So this has been a while. Yeah, I may have. When you talk about watching, like I
1: may have been watching SpongeBob. I think it may have been what the thing I was watching in
0: 2002. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I I guess I probably was watching some SpongeBob, but I guess that age range. Maybe more Edit than Ed Eddie. Rocket Either Power. Way. you know. I didn't watch Rocket Power. But I thought you might be about to say Rocco's Modern Life, and I did watch that.
1: That was a good show.
0: It was a good show. But uh I don't know. I was really, really happy on um Tuesday afternoon when the the the, the twins won game one against the Blue Jays. Uh because I you know, I I obviously I know what it's like to win a playoff game in hockey or in basketball or even in football. That the the team that everyone insists you know can't do anything right, they've won more playoff games since I've cared about them than the Minnesota Twins, who you know their their fan base online is not always sane, but. I don't know. It, it, it's just a different animal, I guess, at at, at points like I, I was in the 20 town comment sections in high school a lot. And and it seemed like a more sane place than than much of the sports Internet. And maybe it's just because the twins are awful and what is there to get riled up about. But the short of it is 10 years ago when I was obsessed with this team in high school and, and the varying points when I've been obsessed with them. This is all I ever wanted to see. Just this fair i mean, I want a World Series, win, obviously, but I've I longed to see a Twins playoff win, just to, to just to check that box off, and now we got two of them, and that's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it—it's it, a different type of long-suffering franchise than our other long-suffering franchises, but it it is in a sense a long-suffering franchise nonetheless. Um, and I just—it's—it's it's so exciting to uh finally sort of break that, I hate to say curse, but, you know, I mean, that's a long time. It's a lot of games that they lost, you know. Um, and, again, I don't know that this team is even better than some of those teams that lost those games. I don't know that they have a better shot at the World Series than some of those teams, but, my God, it feels good. It feels good.
0: It feels really good. Now, I'll tell you, the 2010 team is definitely better than this. The 2019 team that I think won 100 games. Yeah. The, the, the Single season home run record team like that. They, they were definitely better. I think 2015 was better. Uh, there have been a lot of good teams during this run that should be better than losing every single playoff game they got into. And uh, they haven't. So, um, and that's that sucked. But we're on the other side of that now. And we can finally talk about something else which is winning a world series, which my, my stance coming into the playoffs has been the twins are going to win the world series, because that's a much more interesting way to, to consume sports. Just, you know, yeah, be optimistic, have fun and uh, maybe good things will happen. And if they don't, then it'll hurt, but it's only sports and it doesn't have to mean anything, but I'm looking forward to this and I'll, Try to try to make a playoff game uh, right. this round or the next. we'll see what happens Saturday, this most recent Saturday, the Dophers had a very mundane not wholly comfortable but like it was it was never really at risk of getting out of hand or anything uh a a twenty four to thirty five win over u l lafayette uh there are things to comment on um, there are i mean there are things that are still reasons for concern. Things that uh, we feel a little more optimistic about, presumably coming off of it. But what are your big takeaways from how the Gophers went about business?
1: Uh, the second half was great. The second half was great. The first half was like a C plus, and they were down. And the second half, they really rebounded. They played really well. I mean, they only gave up the the one really long kind of freak play you know, um towards the end. Um, but yeah, no, I thought especially in the second half, the on both sides of the ball, offense, defense. I mean, they created turnovers, they moved the ball, they got creative as we saw. Um, yeah, there's not a lot more that you could ask for. It's hard to ask for a better half from this particular team, I feel like, against that particular opponent. I mean the Raging Cajuns to their credit, they were not, and we didn't expect them to be, you know, terrible. They weren't terrible. They were fine. Um they had definite strengths, you know, some weaknesses too. I mean, they wasn't Michigan, but um, they were still, they were. That's a that's a good, that's a solid team. You know, it's a team, as you would say, a team with the pulse. And if nothing else, I feel like you have to feel really good about the way you played, the way you executed, you know, um, in that second half. So that's 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 my big takeaway. And hopefully they will take that energy and run against a far superior opponent that they'll play this weekend.
0: On on the defense, I wanted to note, uh, have we gone over what success rate generally is? Um, We have. We can go over it. Yeah, so uh, the sort of it is there there are these different ways of measuring efficiency in football. The standard way is yards per play, which in the aggregate is valuable. That tells you some things, but also, as we know, in in a, a single game, um situation it can be misleading because let's say you're you have uh i don't know seven plays for 70 yards well if, if 60 of those yards came on one of those plays can we really say that the other the, the team who put up those 70 yards was moving the ball efficiently even though they were averaging um i guess in i forget what numbers i used there exactly seven for 70 something like that you know if if uh six of those plays produce 10 yards and that's pretty awful so what success rate tries to do is it tries to say what it it, it attempts to answer a basic question for every single play which is was this play successful and successful depends on where you go collegefootballdata.com which is where i pull success rate from they define it as It it depends on the down and distance, so it's just, you need, I think, 50% of your yards on first down to be a successful play. You need, I think, 75% on second down, something like that, and then you need 100% of the yards to go on third and fourth down to be successful. Um, Other models use EPA, expected points added, to to calculate it, but, you know, just a, a, a more back of the envelope, like, easier to understand way of measuring as the former. So anyway, in the first four games of the Dwarfers season on the ground, Nebraska ran for a 55% success rate, which average is about 40%, 42%, something like that most years. And so Nebraska went over at Eastern Michigan and North Carolina, both approached that 39 37%. Those two teams, Northwestern went over at 47%. The UL Lafayette, this team that's good at running the ball. Like yeah. you, you looked at their first few games; they were going well over uh, an average mark uh, in terms of su- success rate. Um, I, I wrote it down in my blog post this week. In their first three games, they were uh, over fifty-four percent against the Jophers. They are twenty-seven percent success rate running the ball, which is really, really low. So yes, there is that one big play that stretched their yards per carry up to about six and a half yards per carry. But this was not a team that that ran the ball nearly as well as they were supposed to. The Dophers looked really, really good defending the run, They especially against traditional run looks. They strung plays out. They tackled better than they have in previous games. Uh, I thought Anthony Smith looked great when yeah. I rewatched game. Jack Henderson had a good game. Uh, Maverick Baranowski, he was responsible for that big touchdown when he missed a tackle, but uh, he's getting better and better every week, I feel like. Uh, This was a a game where your front six, maybe seven if you count Henderson as sort of a linebacker, you know, they, they really showed up, which is, for this next game, really encouraging, even if it's a very different animal so d- defensively showed a lot i thought uh especially in the second half like you said got more pressure on zion chris allowed fewer big completions and then we haven't even talked about the reigning big 10 freshman of the week which yeah. is someone other than Darius taylor and zach evans
1: yeah our other freshman running back
0: yeah evans had zero carries in the first four games then he came out and looked incredibly solid. He split the carries between himself, Sean Tyler and Bryce Williams. And it really didn't look like uh, they necessarily needed Taylor in this game, did it?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, as good, as good as Taylor has been, I mean, they did not miss, they did not miss a beat. I mean, I know he didn't run for 200 yards, but um, certainly an encouraging show, you know, to be able to sort of again, plug in and play these running backs, especially cool that it's Evans who we've been talking about for two years as a guy that we think has talent, a guy who we think has a ceiling, a guy who, you know, we think would really shine given the opportunities. Um and just hadn't been given them yet. And it's just good it's very encouraging to see him come out. Like we talked about when we were at the game, you know, he ran with power, he ran with great balance, agility, speed, all of it. He was he looked uh he looked fantastic.
0: And it makes you look at the the situation in the running back room going into 2024, where in 2021, you had these two really impressive running backs in Bucky Irving and in Kai Thomas. And, but there was also sort of this saying in the background where you'd like, you know, Mo Ibrahim's coming back. You know, Trey Potts is going to come back. Uh, and obviously Potts has left, you know, in 2023. But Bryce Williams, he had a season ending injury and he was gonna a comeback. Like it was going to be a question of who's going to get the reps. Whereas right now, Bryce Williams is in his last year of eligibility, which I swear, you know, he, he is actually going to be out of eligibility. Uh, Sean Tyler is in his last year of eligibility. There's not anyone that is going to be in front of Darius Taylor and Zach Evans. So this will be your, your running back duo going into next season, assuming they both stay. And I, I would imagine it will be a priority to make sure they stay because yeah, that's, that's going to be a really great one 2 punch if they can keep them together.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really hope they stay. I don't even want to think about the alternatives, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, and it's, again, they're in the long, long line of great, uh, great Minnesota tailbacks. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future for both those guys.
0: There's a little bit of bad news. Lemecki Brockington uh, suffered an injury that, you know, looked pretty bad when it happened. looks like they got out the inflatable cast uh, to put on his leg, and he is out for the season, so that will be a blow to the receiver room. It is somewhat deep, that position, but Brockington was really, really coming out and, and looking like someone who could maybe be that third option, especially with Ford not being as prolific as you'd like. With Ottman Bell having not made a catch so far this year, he didn't play against the Cajuns. It's, it's a tricky situation, and to lose what may be your best deep threat is, is you know, not exactly what you want. No. For now, it's a win. The Dophers are back to 3-2, uh, and two above 500. And next, they come up against the best <laughs> team on their schedule, probably. So Michigan is 5-0. and oh. They have... A 27-point win over East Carolina, a 28-point win over UNLV, a 25-point win over Bowling Green, a 24-point win over Rutgers, uh, and a 38-point win over Nebraska. And with the exception of that Nebraska game, probably, um, they have not played a game uh, where at halftime, like they're in, you know, a great place. But they've always been leading. I mean, they haven't allowed double-digit points to anyone all year. Uh, it has been a situation where they, for some reason, in the first half, are, are, are like they they have their hand on the other team's neck, but they just haven't bothered to squeeze. Yeah. And then in the second half, they just blow them away entirely. This this is a team that is taking care of business, and they're better than the Gophers at every position except probably safety. Yeah. Uh I, I, I like to put in my notes bullet points of what are their strengths and I've listed basically every position that you can come up with. Yeah. Um and then their weaknesses are pretty I mean, there there are a couple like significant ones, um, but they're offset so much by strengths elsewhere and often they're like relative weaknesses, you know, to a an elite team that it's like If they are going to break against other elite teams here, it will be. But against most teams, it will probably be okay. And uh, this is going to be a really, really difficult game. We'll start with the offense. F-plus ranks this offense seventh in the country. They bring back a lot of production from last year. Especially in the running
1: game.
0: Yeah, we we can start with the running backs. Blake Corum, unanimous All-American last year, first team All-Big Ten. Uh, according to the coaches and the media last season. He's five, eight, two, 13 and he uh he he's a, a slashing type, you know, that uh, a, a running back that would fit in here, honestly. Um averaging five point seven yards per carry this season, nine touchdowns, which is half of his output last year uh, already, and we're not even at the halfway point of the season. He uh you know, it's it, it's obvious like he's got the acceleration, the the, the vision, the the agility. He's a, a tremendous back. And then you look at Donovan Edwards at six one two ten, who's a bit bigger, um, but also, you know, they basically use him as a slot receiver. He had 18 catches last season. he's up to 12 this year. They'll put him in motion. They'll actually line him up in the slot. They'll use him on swings and on screens um he's a guy that they use um often at the same time as Corum, just to you know present multiple threats as to who might get the ball and both of them can tear you up now edwards is only averaging 3.3 3 yards per carry this season but last year he averaged over seven so i would not count on that holding um he's still a dangerous player an explosive player who again can be used in multiple ways in the passing game. And then you look at the other still positions. Uh, Roman Wilson is leading the the country in receiving touchdowns with eight, or at least he's tied uh, for first. I, I don't remember exactly what the leaderboard said if he was alone at the top. But Cornelius Johnson is averaging 18 yards per reception. Colston Loveland, their tight ends, they use a lot of different ways. Um, all their tight ends, they move around a bit, but Loveland, he's a receiver, he is a blocker, he's a fullback sometimes, and he's a really talented player who can, he, he can move. He's not just a, a big lump or anything. And then there's their quarterback, who is arguably the best in the Big Ten. It's either him or Talia Tangavloa. is that fair to say? Yeah, at
1: this point, that's the way it looks, yeah.
0: JJ McCarthy you know i i really want to think lower of him than I do, but he's got a plus arm he is great on the run he, yeah, really he hurts. uh he ran for a touchdown against Nebraska that was not exactly like a you know a read option at the one yard line he he can really move and um you know he he His bowling green game wasn't very impressive somehow of all the games. Uh, He threw two interceptions, one of which was um, he just didn't see a safety in the end zone and he tried to force the ball. He underthrew a guy another time. He probably should have thrown another interception. Um, In fact, he actually should have. I I remember now because he he, he threw a a deep route that um, he had in a Caleb Evans situation where the, the defender had an interception and dropped it and Had a lot of bad luck in it, landed in the receiver's hands in the end zone. So um, he's not impervious to bad decisions, but you watch the way he zips the ball out there. You watch the way he evades pressure, the way he can run on design QB runs or on read option. He is a really, really good passer, and he's up to a 79% completion rate on the season. And he offers... the stability you need in the short passing game, but also... Wasn't that supposed to be his weakness at one point? Wasn't he, like...
1: At one point, wasn't there, like, oh, he's just just a runner? Like, wasn't that, like, oh, he's a threat? No, I mean, obviously, he's, like, a five-star recruit. Like, we knew it was coming, but wasn't there a point where it was, like, a relative weakness?
0: (laughs) I, I think there were points where it was, like... I I think Michigan fans will tell you that with Cade McNamara, like they always thought McCarthy was better, which I I can't, I'll I'll believe them on that front. Um, But I I could see it being a case where McCarthy, there was some questions because is he more of an athlete than a quarterback compared to McNamara or is, you know, does he have the the complete package? And I would say at this point, McCarthy does um, at least complete enough on this team behind the best offensive line in the country probably to where he is not just a game manager but someone who can do at least 5 to 10% more and i would say more than that than the the average sort of um, you know top 25 teams quarterback he's a a very very good player and then um i will also note uh you, you may sometimes see that this is a team that does like kind of they vary their looks sometimes. They, they do a lot of eye stuff. They do some 12 personnel. They've got, in addition to Loveland, they've got a tight end, Max Bredesen, who they use as a fullback from time to time. Um, they'll do 21 personnel to get those two running backs together. They do sometimes do Wildcat, not a lot. Uh, this season, they've done Edwards back there, but they also, against Bowling Green, used their, uh, I think, third-string quarterback, Alex Orgy, the the redshirt freshman who last year scored a touchdown, and Robert Griffin the third exclaimed, would you look at that? It's an Orgy in the end zone. But I would be surprised if we see Orgy in this game. Could, but it does tie to a larger theme of especially after they've gone up two or three scores, don't be surprised if there's a trick play to try to get that kill shot, um, which... You know they they, they they ran a flea flicker against Nebraska that they didn't need to do. Uh, I think they had a, a flea flicker against Bowling Green too. They, they, they um, the offensive coordinator Shron Moore is willing to trick it up a little bit. But the offensive line, like I said, it's really good. It's tons of experience. Their right tackle Miles Hinton didn't play against Nebraska, but the guy they brought in. Uh, they moved Carson Barnhart to the other to to right tackle from left. And then their backup tackle has 30 career starts, so not exactly trotting out a a greenhorn or anything. The first thing I'll say for for facing this offense is, is Cody Lindenberg up to anything this weekend? (laughs) Please, please. I beg you. This this would be a really, really good weekend to have your best linebacker back, your second best defender probably, because I I, I said – Maverick Baranowski is doing better all the week, you know, all the time. But I'm, I want to see him try to go up and, and you know, meet one of these, these linemen or try to bring down Blake Corum because that could go pretty poorly. So it would be really great to, to, to get Cody Lindenbird back. If you don't, I mean, you're going to have to rally to the ball as well as you have all year and fit the run as intelligently as you have all year. You're going to get beat on the line. You just can't get dominated on the line um and if you commit to stopping the run you know that's kind you just you're gonna have to accept getting burned downfield and if you it you know drop a lot of guys in the coverage to try to avoid that um then you're gonna give up runs and especially with the way your your pass rush has not been able to keep mobile quarterbacks in the pocket yeah like um, you're going to give up some quarterback scramble, uh th- that way as well. So it's key that you try to keep McCarthy in the pocket as much as possible. You need your defensive backs, your corners to play better than they have probably most of the year. It just, it's, there's a lot that you need to do right. And that's before we get to the defense, which might be the best in the country. <laughs> yes. Uh, this, this sort of it is, this is, This is a really, really good run defense. The success rate they're allowing this year is first in the country, 20%, which is very, very low. That's half of what the national average usually is as established. And their passing defense is pretty good as well. Passing success rate is fifth in the country. They are first in points per opportunity. They generate a lot of havoc plays. They generate negative runs. This is a really, really tough team to try to be efficient against, but they are vulnerable to the big play. According to CollegeFootballData.com, they are first in standard down success rate allowed, but last in explosiveness allowed. Which often with defenses that are really, really good, that's how it works. Where you know the way they break is just they break really hard, but they never break. If there is a weakness on this team relative to everything else, it is probably at corner. I I, I don't want to say that too definitively because they do have Will Johnson back who missed the first few games or like had a minimized role and he is generally believed to be their best corner. Josh Wallace, the UMass transfer, has not been that impactful. Their third corner is a former walk-on, Tishon Harris, who you will probably want to attack when he's on the field. And, and it does actually bear worth noting that um, Mike Singer still, their, their slot corner, is really, really good. Last season was, was his first playing as a, uh, a, a nickelback. He was a receiver when, the, when Michigan came to town in 2020. And uh, he, he made honorable mention all Big Ten in his first year playing the position in college. So he's a dangerous player. He's physical, despite being 5'10", 182. He's also really, really fast and can make plays on the ball. But the corners have been beat on deep routes, on the sideline, if you can get a... a a man matchup out there, you probably got to try it. Uh, the problem is you're also going to be dealing with that defensive line, which it's really deep. They they go eight deep and don't really lose a step when they bring in anyone. Um, obviously Jalen Harrell, Chris Jenkins, those two guys are really, really good. Both honorable mentioned Big Ten last year. Uh, Josiah Stewart, the Coastal Carolina transfer his two seasons at Coastal, he had 26 tackles for loss between the two years. They also have uh, a, a couple of nose tackles in Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, who are big dudes who get in your way. And uh, behind them, they have a couple linebackers as well who are pretty solid, and Michael Baird and Junior Colson. So they're good on the line. They're good at linebacker. They're good in the secondary, slightly less good than the rest of the defense, even if their safeties are pretty good, so basically, you you don't have to play perfect against this t- against this unit to protect Ethan kelly Mann is protect the ball, get big plays where possible while somehow protecting your quarterback and also running enough guys to get open. I imagine PJ Flex' instinct is going to be to shorten the game, and you should do that, but also you should prioritize points where possible. You're going to need a lot to beat this team, probably, with the way your defense is, is stacking up. Yeah. Uh,
1: I should add, you know, I
0: know we always talk about playing
1: conservative. There's no reason to play conservative in this game because there's nothing to lose because nobody expects you to do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't expect the Dwarfers to win this game, and the only way they're going to do that is if they are able to win at the margins, you know, because they're, they're they're definitely not going to win in the aggregate. <laughs> And any edge you can get, any small boost, extra possessions, extended possessions with fourth down wins, and you know, the a the test they had short yardage last year. The creativity they showed last last week um, mm-hmm. against the Cajuns on in short yardage situations, bringing out the the Eagles um, QB sneak game that worked really well. You know, that's maybe that encourages Fleck to to be a little more aggressive. Maybe not. We, we've seen how this can fluctuate pretty wildly from week to week. But um, the only other thing I'll mention about the defense is I, I do read some MGO blog from time to time, even if they are really, really haughty a lot of the time and, and too cheerleady and, you know, just just they, they, they're full of themselves and I don't like them, but they do have some guys who know ball right over there. And they had a, a piece talking about the ways that Nebraska got some headway, uh, running some slants and in cutting routes, which this is Minnesota, after all. <laughs> so uh, I, I would imagine Michigan repped that a lot in the week, uh, especially when they were dropping seven, eight guys in the coverage, how to defend those uh, those put slants. And, you know, especially with uh, with Minnesota uh, being their opponent, they probably have repped it extra hard, but it's, it's on tape as something that they sometimes occasionally maybe struggle with, so might as well try it. Anyway, kickoff is 6.30 in NBC. It'll be low 50s, mostly cloudy, uh, if not overcast. Four to eight-mile-per-hour winds commentators are Noah Edel, Todd Blackledge, and Catherine Tappen. This will be the 105th meeting between these two teams. And uh since nineteen sixty eight, do you know how many of these James Minnesota has won? Maybe three.
1: Four. Four. Oh great. I'm I'm so never happier to be wrong.
0: Yeah. Uh they won in twenty fourteen at the big house. They won in I think oh six at the big house, maybe. But the, the last Minnesota win in Minneapolis was 1977 when the Gophers won 16 to nothing. The spread on this game is over 20 points. Across the board, the projections have an 85-88% chance of Michigan winning. Store projections are in the neighborhood of well, so I, I'm seeing 33.15 from SP+, 34.17 from FEI, CFB drafts has it 28.4 to 7.2. What are you thinking?
1: You know, I, I was, you know, thinking of re- running, running back a couple of years ago. I was thinking 45.10, but I'll be more generous. I'll say 34.10. I'll <laughs> I don't know I think we're gonna get run, honestly. Like I, you know, I'm I was encouraged by last week's developments, and I hope that those play out in our more competitive, evenly matched games. But just seeing too many games where we're even when we have good. I mean, like the Penn State game last year, right? Like where, you know, we're okay, but it's just hard to match up when you're that outmatched at that many positions. You know, it's just really hard. So I, I, I don't give us a good chance, but. You know, I hope they prove me wrong.
0: This could go like, in the best case scenario, this could go like the Penn State game last year, where you get some early turnovers, you get a few plays, and you're leading at halftime. Because I believe Minnesota was leading that game in Happy Valley. I don't think they were.
1: Time. I I think they were. I'd have to I'd have to check. I that's not a recollection, but whatever.
0: Uh, I I can pull it up and and look and talk uh, I, I that was the game i was at out, out a wedding for so I, I i don't have the the most clear picture of uh the game flow but it was it was at the very least close yes going in time and it stayed close for a lot of the third quarter but then it was 17 10 penn state at halftime so yes um and then just it, it turns out that uh you know, Penn State has some dudes and they uh, saw some ways to exploit some of the uh, the talent mismatches uh, in, in different parts of the field or just the way that Minnesota plays defense all of the time. And I think it's possible that Minnesota leads this game going into halftime or sticks, you know, within striking distance and then just either they get worn out or Michigan finds their second punch. Because, again, I, I think... Against this offense, you got to take away something, and maybe you can take away both somethings for a little while. But I, I, I find it very hard. I believe you'll do it for sixty minutes, uh, especially if Lindenberg is out again. So, yeah, I'm gonna say twenty-seven to ten in favor of Michigan. I would love to win this game, in part because I would like to go to Indo M-Blo- Blog after this and see the meltdown over losing to lowly Minnesota, but. Yeah, I I think this will be another Michigan Minnesota game, in, in the larger context of Minnesota Michigan games since World War II. Yeah, um, this this will probably be pretty rough, at least by the very end. So enjoy it while it's close, however long that may be. Yep, yeah.
1: amen. I shouldn't say amen. It's not an amen thing to, but yeah, I agree. I agree. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say preach, you know, but, but I, I agree.
0: There are only six Big Ten games this weekend. Uh, the Duffers have the only evening game on Saturday. 7 o'clock on Friday, Nebraska and Illinois. It's a game. 11 o'clock, Peacock, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and on Fox, Maryland, to Ohio State, which is yeah. more intriguing than you might expect, but we probably know how it's going to go, right?
1: Yeah, but that's still that. I'm, I don't
0: know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of curious too, just to, because Maryland looks actually pretty good, which I, I didn't really expect. They struggled with Virginia for a while, and I watched that game, but they, they did, they did win that one by a lot in the yeah. end. Two o'clock on BTN. Uh, Howard, Northwestern. Two thirty on Peacock. Purdue and Iowa um which is actually kind of intriguing after uh McNamara is out for the year for Iowa and Purdue put a pretty decent beating up on Illinois last week but what other games will you be paying attention to noting that the Twins start at 3:45 on Saturday
1: Yeah yeah um so looking at week
0: 6 which is this week
1: Red River Red River rivalry
0: my favorite game of the calendar year. That doesn't involve TAC or the Gophers. So, yeah I'll, yeah, I'll be watching. I think that'll be, de- just by kind of default, that's
1: a great game. I think both those teams have looked pretty good. Obviously, Texas is ranked very high. I don't know that they're the third best team in the country, but um, they are good, and Oklahoma is, is pretty good. Um, so that should be all right. Again, I do like Maryland at Ohio State. I, I think, I don't know, Ohio State just... I mean, I know, they, I know they won against Notre Dame, um, but, you know, they haven't looked dominant. They haven't looked as invincible as they often do. Um, and Maryland, you know, Maryland chucks it, as we always say, you know. They got a good quarterback, like you said, the best or second best probably in the conference. So uh, you would have to figure that that, would, that has, at least has potential to be kind of a shootout and a good matchup, if you will. Um, LSU at Mizzou, I – would guess LSU is pretty heavily favored there. I don't know that Mizzou has necessarily beaten anybody, um, anybody great. I know they beat Kansas State. That was a great game, uh, but other than that, I don't know. I have to. I almost have to see it to believe it. As far as buying them as you know, top top fifteen, top twenty team. I do buy that game for points though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. LSU, LSU LSU scores a lot and gives up a lot. Uh, likewise with Missouri. So um, that should be pretty good. Wazoo at UCLA. Wazoo ranked very high. UCLA um, not ranked anymore, but still a talented team. Um, I would say Vatek at Florida State, not really intriguing. Alabama AM, and m not really intriguing. Syracuse. UNC, not really intriguing. Purdue-Iowa, you touched on. I think that's a – I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it, but, you know, like, it's football. Big Ten football. Both teams are okay. You know, um, I think that one could be all right. Beyond that, I do really like Kentucky-Georgia. I mean, I follow so much Kentucky Twitter for some reason that I always bring up Kentucky. But – um I don't know, I feel like they I feel like number one is wide open right now. Georgia doesn't feel as dominant as they did last year. You know, the other teams look good, but I don't think have looked again like it's not like last year where it was just like Georgia, Georgia, Georgia you know what I mean? Where there was kind of this inevitable march towards whatever, seventy to three or whatever it was the championship. But Kentucky beat up on Florida, you know, say what you will about Florida. They looked pretty decent the weeks coming into that. They haven't lost yet. Um so that's a that's a top 20 matchup with potential to be pretty good. So as other top 25 games, I I don't buy Louisville at this point out out playing expectations, but they haven't beat anybody. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if buying him as a top 25 team, they would need to win this game for me to sort of
0: accept that. Uh, and then Arkansas all Miss could be fun, too. So you skipped over some games that I, I think are interesting. Like, I think Bama A&M could be interesting. I think Syracuse-UNC is probably not going to be interesting, but Syracuse is pretty decent. Yeah. Um, you didn't mention Texas State, you all off it, but you do want to point out, like, Texas State looks better than Texas State has looked at any point since coming up from FCS. Obviously, and they got, a really, they
1: got a real big quarterback. Real big one
0: <laughs> that they do, uh, but I mean, they had that win over Baylor, and to this point, they are four and one. Their only loss, uh, is by seven to UTSA. They beat up on, uh, I guess some lesser teams, like it, it's Jackson State, it's Nevada. Southern Miss, I don't think is probably anything but like to be four and one right now, especially with a win over a Big 12 team. Like, I, I, I don't want to exi- Like, people need to understand like Texas State has never been good in the last 10 years since they made the transition. Um, and for them to go bowling is like huge for them, and they yeah. have a really good coach in GJ, G.J. Kenny who did really well at Sam Houston State in uh in FCS. But anyway. They'll be playing the Cajuns, who we, as we know. Pretty good? Are, yeah, pretty good. So that's a compelling game, tier third ESPN. NESPNU. UCF Kansas has some potential. I'll be – well, I guess I won't be watching Tech Baylor because I'll be at the Dopher game. But uh, it, it is a game where you want to see Tech win. Uh, to aside any feelings on Baylor as an institution. Just like Baylor, even after that win in Orlando, which, by the way – One of the crazier fourth quarters I've ever watched. Uh, It was like they, it, Dave Miranda needed that, we'll say. It was, it kind of is, from a Baylor perspective, you hope that's the thing that takes you out of a tailspin. From a tech perspective, you hope that, like, it just shows they're a team capable of being, like, down 30 points or whatever in the fourth quarter because. That's been more of what we've seen from Baylor. Even if they gave Utah a decent fight, um, it's not a great Baylor team. And then I think the best evening game, other than Kentucky-Georgia, is Fresno State-Wyoming at 7 o'clock on Fox.
1: I haven't watched enough Wyoming to have a gauge on them. I guess you probably have. But what do you think about Wyoming? Wyoming.
0: So I, I think their win over tech was fairly fluky. Um and their quarterback is not strictly speaking good, but he is uh he's a wild one. And they're 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 a Craig Bowl team, you know. They they play good defense, they're tough. But I I've watched more Fresno State who, you know, they just they they keep playing like that classic Fresno State style where they've got a, a good quarterback and Mikey Keene. Um, they've got uh, a, a good run, run game. They've got some receivers like they're they're good on offense. And uh, you know, they're top 25 right now. They're 5-0. and 0. Yep. I, I, I cannot pretend to have an encyclopedic knowledge of either of these two teams' rosters or anything, but they're two talented teams, and I think the Mountain West is often a really fun league to watch, and I'm really glad this game is going to be on network TV, even if I would be completely unsurprised if Fox puts Tim Brano and Spencer Tillman on this game, which would be just the worst possible thing to do, uh, because they suck. But there's not really a late game this week, is there?
1: No, no. Um I mean, no.
0: <laughs> I, don't Cal, I don't believe in
1: Cal, Cal or Arizona enough to uh, to ordain out of those games worth watching at least on, on their, at their face. Yeah, uh,
0: which one is playing USC? Arizona. Yeah, I, I don't really have faith in in Arizona. I, I mean, it's neat to watch Caleb Williams do cool stuff, but yeah. Um, there's not even a late game in FCS. The latest kickoff is 8 o'clock, so maybe watch some late baseball. Yeah. Next week, we will only have a game to review, not one to preview, uh, and then the week after, we'll only have one to review and not to preview. Or, the reverse, we'll have a game to preview, but not to review. So, um, yeah when we talk next hopefully we'll be talking about at least a respectable showing for the doofers against one of the best teams in the country but we'll probably be talking about something worse yeah (laughs) and and maybe we'll be talking about a successful um weekend trip to houston for our minnesota twins absolutely but um for now everyone enjoy their weekends there's their big sports weekends and is there anything else you wanted to say before we go
1: uh, no, if you're having a big bluegrass weekend, enjoy that, too. As some here might be doing. Some might be doing. Some might be enjoying a little banjo
0: alongside their football. <laughs> I think that's just a standard weekend in Knoxville. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, have have a, a good weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, see you.